Welcome back for another episode of Dig City, a Purdue volleyball podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Gilman, joined as always by the skipper of the Purdue volleyball team, Coach Shondell. As we are midway through March, more than half of our way through 2021, and Coach, winners of seven of your last eight and a fantastic trip up to State College wasn't everything that you wanted it to be, but how is the team feeling after 14 matches? Well, I think uh, looking back at the entire season, we feel really pretty good. Uh, we played that first weekend without a full deck, and we knew we were going to be in trouble at Wisconsin. But when you look at the rest of the season, um, we're 9-3 and three with two five-set losses to uh, Minnesota, who's a top four or five-ranked team in the country, and then a, uh, a four-set loss um, the second night at Penn State. And... Um, even though our goal and, and our hope was to win two matches at Penn State, uh, that's a tall order for anybody to go into Penn State and, and went on back-to-back nights, uh, especially when the second night is only six, about 19 hours after you started the first one. So there wasn't a lot of time in between. But anyway, um, I thought we played pretty well for the most part at Penn State. We played really well during this stretch of uh, the last 12 matches. And I think we're getting better. And when you play the competition we've played, we have played some of the very best teams on our schedule already. When you look at Wisconsin and Minnesota and Michigan and Penn State, and I'd even throw Northwestern in there, the short amount of time that they've played. Um, we've played some really good teams that we've learned a lot from and have made us better. And certainly by playing Penn State this past weekend, they scout about as well as anybody in the league. So they're going to take a lot of things away from you. And, and they did. And um, we have to learn from that, move forward. And we've got, you know, two weeks now with the, uh, the postponement or cancellation of the Michigan State matches this weekend. Uh, we have some time to get ready for Rutgers, who's, who probably has their best team since arriving in the Big Ten Conference. So in this podcast episode, we're going to talk through the next few weekends for Purdue Volleyball, the last few weekends, and the overall conference race as the NCAA tournament approaches in just about a month from when this episode will be released. But first, Coach, I want to review the Indiana series because it's always a tall task to go out to Bloomington and then especially with a home-and-home within the same week for the first time, coming back home to West Lafayette, what impressed you the most about your team in that Monon Spike match here in, in, in Holloway? Yeah, just their consistency that we played with um, really from start to finish. Uh, Indiana is a young team. We have more experience. We're not necessarily a veteran team. We only have two seniors on our roster. And one's, uh, one's our libero, uh, Jenna Otek, and the other outside hitter, Caitlin Newton. But I just felt like our guys had a great mentality the entire uh, week. Uh, the, you know, Going to IU to play first is the one that worries you, obviously, the most. But uh, after a back and forth a little bit in that match, we – end up winning that 25-20 and then won the next two pretty pretty handily and then uh, came here and, and took care of business pretty easily here. But it's always important to play well against your rival. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you're Michigan, Michigan State, Duke, North Carolina, anybody else. Those are really important, as anybody in the Boilermaker Nation knows. So we were happy to, to get through them in six straight, and I think they'll continue to get better. So every year, you know, it will be a challenge. A team that – You've gone from dominating to a Penn State team that, quite honestly, you've had a lot of trouble with in your 18 seasons. How good does it feel 
to kind of get off that schneid and play really well in that first match on Friday? Well, it was really nice, the fact that the first two sets were really close and they could have gone either way. And our team persevered. Our team found ways to uh, to win both of those first two sets. And then we um, stumbled a little bit in the third set and came back and played really strong in the fourth set um, to win going away. And that may have been a bad thing because I think it left a, a really bad taste in the mouth of Penn State that they got beat that badly at home in that fourth set. I thought Penn State played great on Saturday. And I, I thought they were really, really good from the opening gun. They were digging balls and taking big swings and, and caught us a little flat footed in the first set. We woke up in the second set and played um, just as well as they had played in the first set. But then the last two sets, we just, we couldn't find a way to, to stay with it um, and, and win those matches. Both, both the third and the fourth set could have swung either way. Uh, we had the 23 to 19 lead in the um, fourth set and saw it evaporate in a short amount of time. And that's probably the most disappointing thing about the whole weekend was to finish uh, with a loss like that. But it, it certainly gives our kids a lot to think about as we move forward. Yeah, I think, I think we were all hoping and, and thinking that that one was, was going to go five and be another classic in rec hall. We almost had a milestone moment on Friday night. Grace Cleveland was just one dig away from a triple-double which would have been the first outside hitter, right side hitter, triple double for you guys in over a decade. I know stats are not something, and I have to just ask this question. Was anyone even close to aware of, of the feat that she was nearing or it's nothing like baseball where you know that, you know, something's about to happen. A volleyball moves a lot faster than baseball. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, uh, but no, I, I can't speak for whether anybody knew about it. I, I, do, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I think it's great if, when people do that, but it's not anything that I think a coach needs to ever be aware of, to be honest with you. Just, just wanted to ask because, you know, everyone at home was, was cheering for her. She got that block there late in the, in the fourth set, and we were like, all right, if she gets one more dig, you know, something that hasn't happened since, uh, since Ashley Evans back in 2014. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I thought Grace played her best defensive match of her career. Um, for, for Grace to, to play a limited amount of time in the back row, one row, you know, one rotation in the back row, three rotations in the front row, and to be knocking on the door of double-digit uh, digs uh, tells you how active she was uh, and how ready she was to make plays. So I was pl very pleased with that part of it. So let's talk a little bit about the Big Ten picture. You mentioned Penn State. I would tend to agree that I think they played their best match of the season, their first win over a ranked team on Saturday. They are sitting at five and five. When you look at this conference standings, and it's really tough with Northwestern only having played three matches, how many of these Big Ten teams do you think are going to put themselves in a position to reach the NCAA tournament? Well, I think it'd be fair to say six at this point. I mean, Northwestern is obviously an anomaly, as is Michigan. Uh, you have to play a certain amount to be eligible to go to the NCAA tournament. I think that number is 10, uh, maybe 12. And uh, I don't know what direction Michigan or, or Northwestern are going right now. If they're going to play this weekend, uh, are they healthy? Are they going to have a full roster? Um, but I do think that there are six other teams, including Penn State, that uh, will make the tournament. Penn State's win against us on Saturday night. Uh, one of the reasons they were playing their tails off was that they, they knew they had to win that match to really have a shot. Uh, at um, you know making the tournament and and they got it so credit them and uh, but I think they'll be in I think Ohio State obviously at 12 and 0 right now Wisconsin at 10 and 0 
uh, Minnesota and Nebraska, both with one loss. I think that we've proven our case up to this point. And, um, and I think Penn State uh, is more than worthy of making the tournament. Then after that, a lot more rely on whether teams are going to be healthy enough to play. Ohio State, that's the big story of 2021. You mentioned it, 12-0 at the moment. They've got two wins <clears throat> over Wisconsin. We have no idea whether the Badgers will be back in action this weekend or not, but should be a highly anticipated matchup with Ohio State and Nebraska. Everyone's fingers crossed around the country that those two are able to play in this upcoming weekend. What are you seeing from Ohio State, especially because you've just got so much footage watching them against Penn State? What is impressing you the most against the Buckeyes, about the Buckeyes? Well, number one, you have to give credit, really, to Jeff Carlston for bringing all those players to Ohio State. I mean, Jeff was a player that was let, the coach that was let go uh, by Ohio State a year ago and um, had back-to-back top, top five recruiting classes. And so he's got, he, you know, he, he put a lot of good players there. Jen Flynn has come in and brought the troops together. And she's a former Buckeye uh, star setter, uh, played on the national team. And she's pushing a lot of the right buttons to, to, to make this team go. But they've got great talent. Uh, most of it's young, but it's terrific talent. Uh, two freshmen, Landot on the right side and Raider in the middle, have been huge additions uh, to the, those were, were top five recruits in the country, both of them. And so they're, they're legitimate, and, and you put them with the rest of the squad they had coming back. They've got a, a lot of offensive players. They've got great size. Maybe the third biggest team in the league outside of Wisconsin and Minnesota, uh, and they're right there knocking on the door. So they've got size, physicality, toughness, and uh, they're playing with a real purpose. But keep in mind, I thought when they played both nights when they played uh, Penn State, Penn State did not play well. Um, Ohio State has not played Nebraska or Wisconsin or Purdue um, yet. And I'm leaving somebody out of that equation, but um, they're going to, we'll find out really how good they are. I think they're really good, but we're going to find out how good they are in the next few weeks. Yeah. Their matches against Minnesota last weekend were postponed, probably canceled. I, I can't see a situation where the big 10 is going to be able to add too many more matches here onto the end of the year, but they'll go to Devaney this weekend and then hopefully host Michigan before playing host to the Boilermakers and finishing their season at IU. So uh, Purdue could be the chance to, uh, to end that undefeated season. If Ohio state gets out of Nebraska untouched a few other matches for this upcoming weekend that we can get excited about as volleyball fans and everything is really contingent upon these teams passing the tests and getting cleared because Northwestern Wisconsin could be an exciting uh, series. If, if they are cleared, same with Illinois, Minnesota, what um, we, we've got Illinois coming to town at the end of the season coach. And I don't want to add any bullet, you know, bulletin board material for the, for the uh, fighting Illini, but what have you seen from Illinois this year that is different than the years past for Chris Thomas's bunch? They've played a real tough schedule so far. I mean, I think that's what people have to, to really research is when you look at records, what does that mean? And number one, they lost some, some really good players. They're putting a young lineup on the floor as well at Illinois. I think Cooney is the only senior that is playing uh, at Illinois right now, getting a lot of playing time. But uh, they've played a lot of the powers of the Big Ten already. And so when you look at their record, there's an indication that you know, they've played Penn State. They've played Nebraska. They've played Wisconsin. 
And so there's a reason why their record isn't as, as nice as Illini fan would like it to be. But I think the Illini fans recognize who they play. And they're still a really strong team. And you take that Illinois team and put them out in any other conference, and it would be a different uh, record for them right now. No doubt about that. A couple other weekend matches, Indiana-Michigan, Iowa-Maryland, Rutgers-Penn State, and, uh, and I mentioned Ohio State-Nebraska. So, you know, a ch- an opportunity for, for Purdue faithful to kind of kick back and, and enjoy some, some Big Ten volleyball that doesn't enjoy, that doesn't involve Purdue this upcoming weekend. I want to ask you, Coach, about the NCAA seeding because this season is unlike any other in so many ways. But I think the, the first and foremost change is the fact that the first 16 seeds are not going to be playing in the first round. With the, the Tuesday-Wednesday slate in mind, what kind of advantage do you think brings a top 16 seed that it may not have brought with a hosting opportunity in the previous years? Yeah, I think it almost evens out a little bit. To get the bye is, is similar to hosting. It's a real advantage. However, I think uh, a really good team playing that first round that wins has the advantage of, of getting a match under their belt in that environment. It's going to be a unique environment. You're going to be playing in a convention center. Um, how many seats they have, I don't know. A lot, of, a lot of unknowns right now about what it's going to look like. So there could be an advantage of, of playing the first round and winning and then you know playing somebody else. But then you're going to have to turn around about three days later and play again. So there's not a lot of time in between um, rounds, even after the second round. So we, we, we'd love to get a top 16 seed. We got work to do to, to get there. But I think if we continue to play the way we're playing, we got a pretty good chance to get uh, one of those first round buys, but um, a lot of work to do. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about some other conferences. You know, I'm not sure how much you've been able to watch other conferences like the SEC, the ACC, or the Pac-12. Unfortunately, we are recording before the March 8th AVCA poll comes out, so it's hard to really speculate on what the top 10 rankings would look like. But there are some exciting, exciting teams, you know, kind of rising up there in the ACC, in the SEC. Pittsburgh plays Georgia Tech tonight. We're recording this on Monday, March 8th. Oregon had a fantastic series with Washington where Brooke Nunaviller had like 35 kills and one error to lead the Ducks to a five-set win. Who are some teams that are standing out to you outside of the Big Ten? Well, Texas, you know, is, is, has been ranked second. They have not played a lot. They were one of the, uh, the leagues that the Big 12 played early uh, in the fall. And, uh, you know, Texas seemed to be the dominant team that was playing early. Um, they did play Baylor, I think, last week and, and beat Baylor. So, um, you know, Texas is, is another team that's got great physicality. Just a lot of players back from a year ago. Very impressive to watch. You have to keep a very close eye on them. Baylor is another team that's, you know, I think primarily based on their performance a year ago and the number of players returning have them locked in in the top seven or eight over the, the, the since the poll has started. Um, I'd like to see them some more to see how well they're playing. I, I haven't watched them since the new, uh, the new year. Then you've got Utah, who uh, may be the highest ranked team this week out of the uh, Pac-12, because Washington probably is going to drop a little bit. Washington had been playing really well, and then they got snake bit, as you mentioned, um, by, remind me who that was? Oregon. Oregon. 
and Oregon had a kid just go crazy, you know, in that match. And, and that happens sometimes because Oregon had, had been knocking on the door of the top 15. Um, but uh, this will help Oregon as well. They split that match um, with Washington. Uh, Florida is an, another team. Obviously, Kentucky is playing really well. I've talked to some people that feel like Kentucky is maybe a top top three team right now in the, in the, in the country. And uh, they, they're also very athletic. And Florida is the really only other team in that league that can give them much competition. And they play in a couple of weeks, I think. So uh, the ACC, I don't know if they've got anybody that, that belongs in that conversation yet. Um, but I think the SEC has a couple of teams, the Big 12, the Pac-12, and, and the Big 10 right now seem to be um, the strongest leagues at this point. I'm sure we'll have, you know, one or two more conversations leading up to the NCAA mm -hmm. tournament, but I am expecting a ton more first and second round upsets than we've ever had, mainly because of the lack of a home court advantage. What are you expecting, you know, coming into these first, uh, mainly the second round, right? Because the first round is not going to have any of those top 16 seeds. But if you had to guess coach, and, and you know, I, I don't want to put you on the spot here. How many, how many top 16 seeds do you think advance to the sweet 16 this season? Yeah, uh, I'd have to see who the top 16 seeds are first. No, That's, you don't get that. And we're having fun here. We're playing a little game. Well, if you yeah, have to guess fun, how many but 16. I'm, but I'm the guy that's put my name on the line with it. So um, I, I think I'll, I'll share this with you, that I think that because you're playing on a neutral floor, just like there's been a lot more upsets already this year, uh, teams going into opponents' floors because – opponents' gyms because there haven't been fans there, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm not sure what the environment's going to look like again in these convention centers. But um, I guess if I was to say how many of the top 16 would not advance, I'd say 12, 12 will advance four won't. Okay. That's, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to hold you responsible coach for an anonymous guess before we find out. Now, if you had to guess after the 16 seeds come out, that's a little bit more dangerous, but not knowing who the top I am. I'm going to go out there and say that only 10 of the top 16 seeds are going to be advancing to the third round. I think we're going to have a ton of upsets. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, a, an April madness to remember for, for, for volleyball fans, something to make up for a lack of action in, in the fall, hopefully. But uh, it's, it's always fun to kind of speculate. And my point would be this, is that they may or may not be upsets depending on who the committee determines their top 16. Yep. Well, who the committee determines is their top 16 might be a lot different than what the college coaches believe would be the top 16. So they may not necessarily be upset. You may have some teams that are not in the top 16 that a lot of people feel like should have been the top 16 and have every right to, to, to win that match and advance further. And then our last talking point here, just specifically about the, the wrap up of this season would be a little bit of a, of a fun end of the season for the big 10. Now let's, let's hope that a lot of these teams can get cleared up and, and hopefully everyone can can get back to being healthy like Wisconsin and Minnesota. But we mentioned a lot in the broadcast against Penn state that Wisconsin and Nebraska will be facing the Nittany lions at the end of the season. Ohio state has to go play Nebraska and then Purdue. What do you think the, uh, the final stretch is going to look like here with, you know, right now we've got four teams in Ohio state, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Nebraska all within one or two games of each other, whatever you want to call it with the, with the discrepancy of games played. But do you think right now it's the Buckeyes conference to lose? 
I, I really don't like to talk about other teams. Um, it's like, you know, opening your mouth when you, when you have no business doing it. Um, I think all four of those teams are in a position to possibly win. Um, it will fall a lot on how many matches get played, how many matches have not gotten played already that are not going to be rescheduled. I don't think that the conference championship this year will mean nearly as much as it has in other years because just there's not as much merit to it. I think it will mean more to some because uh, the, the perseverance that our, our teams in, the, in, in volleyball have dealt with to get through, like just like in basketball and football and everything else. This has not been easy for anybody. Um, this has been a year we'll never forget. Um, I just talked to Calvin Williams, and we were talking a little bit about what it might look like next year. And we we're all optimistic that things will be back to semi-normal in a year from now. But this, this has not been easy for the student athletes to be held up in a bubble, to not be able to have the opportunity to go out and socialize with their, you know, their classmates on campus. Um, it, it's been a challenge. I, I think it has been helpful for them from the standpoint they've been able to focus on volleyball. I know our kids have elevated their um, focus and time spent on volleyball, and I think that's helped us as a team. But uh, it's been a really, really challenging season, and I think every athlete that's playing right now, high school, club, uh, college, um, should be uh, given credit for what, what they've had to deal with, as, as has everybody in the country. I mean, even broadcast guys like yourself, uh, you've been going through a lot too. So uh, hopefully we'll get through this pretty quick. But the, the, the Big Ten has been um, hit hard by the, the virus, and the standings show that. And hopefully at, at the end of the day, we'll be able to get as true of a champion as we can find. No doubt about it. And, you know, going into a little bit of our fifth set with Shondell, our, our final segment here of this podcast, leading up to the next couple of weeks, from a coaching philosophy standpoint, without having a match or matches for this upcoming weekend, let's play that hypothetical. If, the, if, if there is no rescheduling for, you know, the March 14th weekend for your team, what is the approach from a coaching staff is it, do you let your girls rest or do you continue trying to keep it up and, and keep them in, in game shape throughout the weekend? Well, our, our coaches in our league have always been hoping for a bye week. You know, that's something that we've always talked about. Well, most of them have gotten a bye week. Unfortunately, in many cases, it's been with illness. Our bye week is because of somebody else's illness. So it is kind of like a bye from our standpoint. Uh, however, we're not going to take the week off. Um, we we're taking today off. Uh, we'll be back with regular practices, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we will give them the weekend to rest a little bit and, and, and hopes that that will be a big difference maker instead of, uh, you know, playing Michigan state here and, and having two matches with the practices and everything that goes along with that, they'll have time to, to relax a little bit more. And then we'll go into a regular week, uh, in preparation for Rutgers. So, um, I like the opportunity we have to kind of get a little bit of a reprieve, but I have a long list of things in front of me that we need to work on to get better. And again, when you play great teams, which is what our schedule has had this year, you learn a lot and your players learn a lot. And there's things that we need to go in and really, really embrace to get better. Why don't you go ahead and uh, give Purdue faithful a couple, a couple, one of the couple of those things. What are some of the things that you think that the team still needs to work on? Well, I think we need to, uh, balance our offense a little bit. Uh, I think that we're, we're setting the same couple people more than we need to, and we need to find a way to get the ball to our middles more often. 
uh, to our, our second left side hitter more often. And I think we're leaning too heavily on, uh, on the same people. Um, I feel like we have to have more flexibility in, in our lineup, even though I think we've put a lot of different lineups on the floor this year. But I, I want to see what we look like if, if we play Grace Cleveland all six rotations, uh, some instead of Caitlin Newton. Uh, I think that's a burden to, to be on the floor all the time, the entire season and not get a break when you're being, when the expectations are so high. And I would have liked to maybe made that change a little bit this weekend, but I didn't know if our team felt comfortable making that kind of a change. So we're going to have to get in some, some work this, this coming week where uh, we're not playing Caitlin all six rotations all the time. Uh, and that gives us more flexibility then to even rotate different people in, in the front row in, in Caitlin's spot. Um, but again, I think Caitlin will continue to get better. Um, you know, Again, when, when you're the person that gets all of the out-of-system sets, it really hits your hitting percentage hard. And we got to have we got to have Caitlin hitting around you know 240, 250 um, against good teams. And when we can get that, then all of a sudden I think that we'll even be harder to beat than what we have been. All right, Coach. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. I do want to ask one more fun question here, since you have a little bit of time off. Are there any TV shows that that you've been watching? It's always something that we uh, we like to touch on. You love your TV, man. You I do. Love, I do love, love my TV. TV. I want to know what Coach Shondell's watching. Well, what I'm watching is that new pro league. Um, that new pro league is on a lot. And, of course, Purdue has uh, Sheridan Atkinson, who's been putting on a hitting clinic uh, in that league. She's been one of the most dominant attackers in the new pro league that's being held down in Dallas, Texas. And if you, if you look, a lot of those matches are on TV. You can, you can get them on your, on your television uh, one way or another. And then uh, Val Nickel, who started out like a house on fire in her first match, sprained her ankle and is out this week, but hopefully will be back very, very soon. So Purdue fans can watch that. But it's a unique scoring system that I'm learning to really appreciate, um, that it's uh, you play three sets regardless. Of, you know, you, you might win all three, you might not, but you play all th I think you play all three sets regardless. Yep. And it's the total number of points that also gives you um, bonus points. If maybe you, maybe you win two sets to three, but you might not, not score the most points and the other team gets bonus points for that. And it's uh, individual points as well. So it, it, it's pretty neat and it holds your attention a lot longer than what the regular scoring system does. And I think that's, that's, that's what will help volleyball is some people get a little tired. If, it, if there's a blowout, uh, they lose interest with these, uh, it, it maintains your interest for a longer amount of time. So that's what I've been watching mostly on TV is a lot of volleyball. I do really enjoy that fantasy volleyball kind of addition, right? Because you've, you're almost rooting for Sheridan Atkinson to get a certain amount of points, or like you said, Larson or Bastinelli or whatever, whatever player that you may want to pick. Or if you have a, a league with your friends, you know, go ahead and follow them on Twitter at AU pro sports, because another Purdue volleyball alum in Aaron Williams is putting together fantastic content as a content provider and a videographer for them. They've got matches, like you said, on, and I like how they have matches on Mondays too. I think tonight we're recording on March 8th. They've got a double header on Fox sports one and Fox sports two, which is something that is not often, you don't often see Monday volleyball. So if we can get more midweek volleyball, I, I'm a big fan of that. Somebody has really put some thought into this and uh, you know, they're playing, I think they're playing Saturday, Sundays, Mondays, and then they have a re uh, draft. redraft redraft on Tuesday. And then they practice, uh, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then they go at it again. So, uh, and they're all down there kind of in a bubble. 
Uh, a lot of the greatest players that have played college volleyball over the last decade are all down there probably having a pretty good time. But um, the volleyball has been very good. It's been very entertaining. And uh, um, I think our, our fans would enjoy watching it uh, if they get the opportunity. There you go. That's what Coach Shondell is watching. Coach, thank you so much for joining me once again. All right, Daniel. Boiler up. That'll do it for this episode of Dig City. Thank you so much. He's Dave Shondell. I'm Daniel Gilman. And this has been an episode of Dig City, a Purdue Volleyball podcast.